The Leslie Marshall Show, a true democracy in talk radio. Of, for, and by you, the people. From our nation's capital, it's Deadline DC with Brad Bannon. Welcome to Deadline DC, Brad Bannon. I'm Brad Bannon. I'm a national democratic strategist, a columnist for The Hill in Washington, DC, and a political analyst for news radio stations KNX in Los Angeles and WGN in Chicago. My company, Bannon Communications Research, polls for progressive issue groups, labor unions, and Democrats. Mondays on Deadline DC, I talk to the people and players behind the politics and policies that drive our great nation forward. This week on Deadline DC, we'll talk to Charlie Cook, the the founder of the Cook Political Report, Tara Devlin, the host of Tara Buster, and progressive activist Mark Grimaldi about the first year of Joe Biden's presidency and Democratic prospects in the midterm elections. But before we get to our first gift, we uh, guest, we have this uh, clip from uh, Senator Raphael Warnick of Georgia talking about the demise of the voting rights bill in the Senate last week. But it takes 60 votes to repair the ceiling of our democracy by passing voting rights legislation. I'm left to conclude that if the issue is important enough, the Senate feels compelled to act. Well, let me say that I believe that the democracy is at least as important as the economy. Recently, many of our colleagues have argued that legislation to protect voting rights somehow offends our federal system of government and amounts, they say, to a federal takeover of elections. Some of the same voices, ironically, who have extolled Dr. King's life this week have at the same time been working vigorously against the legislation we're debating today to protect the right to vote. And many of them have been channeling old states' rights arguments. Let the message go out. You cannot remember Martin Luther King Jr. and dismember his legacy at the same time. You can argue whatever side you want. But you do not get to argue both sides. I will not sit quietly while some make Dr. King a victim of identity theft. You do not get to offer praises and plaudits in memory of Dr. King and then marshal the same kinds of states' rights arguments that were used against Dr. King and against the civil rights movement. Please know that as the pastor of Dr. King's church, this, this argument evokes, I say really respectfully, it evokes some of the darkest moments in our country's longest, long struggle for equality. 
That was Senator Raphael Warnick of Georgia talking about uh, the demise of the voting rights bill in the Senate last week. Uh, ironically, last week was also the uh, birthday of uh, Martin Luther King Jr. Our guest in this half hour is Charlie Cook, the nation's foremost political prognosticator. Charlie is the founder of the Cook Political Report and a political analyst for NBC News and a columnist for the National Journal. Charlie, welcome back to Deadline DC. Thanks for having me on, Brad. Uh, Always that, a pleasure. Uh, that clip of Senator Warnock makes you think, uh, really wonder about where we're going as a uh, as a democracy. It's uh, deeply troubling. Yeah. Where are we? Well, that's a good question, Charlie. Let's start with that. Where are we going as a democracy? Well, I have always rolled my eyes when I've heard people worry about where we're going and where the process is. But I, you know, I have to tell you, for the last uh, you know year, thirteen months, uh, I've I have grown quite, quite, quite concerned. And uh, it, it's uh, you know between the stop the steal and what happened on January sixth, uh, um, it, it's really worrisome. But I, I worry that that what is happening is that we are seeing faith, confidence in the election process, sabotage, uh, undermined, uh, which sort of threatens when you think, get down to the basics of, um, you know, what is our, what is a democracy based on uh, rule of law, free and fair elections, a peaceful transfer of power. And you have to believe in the, in, in, that the election is, you know, that the you have to believe in what the res results are, and you know I've heard certainly with uh, with uh, former President Trump, but but also with Democrats lately, it's they're they're undermining public confidence about something that hasn't happened yet. I mean, certainly there are Republican legislators and elected officials that are trying to keep the turnout of certain groups down. Absolutely, it will be for a lack of trying, but we're coming off of the highest midterm election turnout in uh, since, uh, what, 19, well, you know, in, uh, what's it, 1942 in the highest, uh, uh, or no, it's since 1900 and the highest, uh, or highest since 1914 and the highest presidential in 2020 since 1900. And I, I worry that, that Democrats and progressives are playing into this erosion of confidence in our elections without having seen any evidence that it's been undermined at all yet. Well, let me let me ask you that. I mean, we did. We had a record turnout in uh, 2020, but it seems to me uh, rather than celebrating it, uh, many Republicans are threatened by it. Uh, 19 states have uh, enacted voting restrictions since the 2020 uh, election. And shouldn't we always be trying to expand democracy instead of limiting it? Uh, doesn't that undermine confidence in the voting system? Well, as I said, we've seen since the, I would say since 19, I mean, since 2011, 12, 13. We've seen various um, 
uh, elect officials, Republicans, that have uh, been trying to kind of whittle down uh, the turnout among certain groups. No question about it. And there's been absolutely no evidence that any of it has worked till now. And that while, yeah, some of these people are working overtime and Democrats should, you know, or anybody ought to be fighting it. But at the same time, when you're, when you're fighting what is being attempted, you don't want to undermine confidence in the election process as it is, because uh, that, then it's sort of playing into, well, elections don't matter. And it's whoever comes out on top comes out on top. And, uh, um, you know, it's, it's, you know, when you think of what, what, you know, what some of the efforts that the Russians were trying to do with us, they were trying to undermine faith in our democratic process. And this is, and as I said, it's not for lack of trying on the Republican side, but Democrats need to be careful with what they say. Otherwise they will be eroding it as well. Well, what what should Democrats say about the attempts to restrict uh, voting that have uh, occurred uh, after the 2020 election? Should they just, you know, take it and accept it and hope for the best? No, you fight it, but you fight it without eroding confidence. It's basically, you know, you put spotlights on the sort of more outrageous things, for example, eliminating drop boxes. I mean, there's nothing. Uh, there's nothing, nothing uh, heinous about having drop boxes for early, uh, for 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 early votes. Um, and you, you know, we've we've had um, uh, so many times where, um, I mean, like, well, how about this? The statistics on. How few when the when George I mean there is virtually no voter fraud in this country, and yet I doubt if many of your of your of your listeners would would know how few when when George W. Bush's Justice Department tried to find uh, voter fraud cases they came up they had a five and a half year effort and came up with practically nothing. Or what about the number of prosecutions for voter fraud during the four years of the Trump administration? There's not any. Or Bob or, or William Barr's uh, statement, what, three weeks after the election, that he found saw no evidence of anything that would change any outcome of the election. I mean, uh, Charlie, I'm going to have to interrupt you because yep. we're going to take a sure. very quick break here. We'll be back with more of Charlie Cook, uh, founder of the Cook Political Report. Welcome back to Deadline DC with Brad Van. My guest in this half hour is the nation's uh, foremost political prosec- prognosticator. Uh, prosecutor. Yeah, that too. Uh, we've been talking about uh, the first year of Joe Biden's presidency. Uh, Charlie, you were saying before we went to break uh, that it's time for Joe Biden to do complete reset. How can he do that? 
Well, I, I don't know how you put the genie back in the bottle, but but he, um, I do think you you basically take the elements of the of of his uh, the BBB, take some individual elements and try them just one at a time, and just trying to do. I mean, it's 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 trying to put Humpty Dumpty back together again, but I don't know anything else. I don't know anything else you do because it's sort of the damage has been done. Uh, you, you, uh, um, you know, I just think they've gotten themselves into a, a really bad place and it wasn't for a lack of, of warning um, that, um, as I said before, it was just a disproportionate to the size of the victory. I mean, that, that, that Democrats just barely won that 2020 election and yet came up with an agenda that was, uh, you know, incredibly good stuff, but it was what you do after you've had a landslide and with giant majorities like FDR and LBJ had. So, um, but how do you do that now when the damage is done? Uh, I don't, I don't really know. Uh, let's try this. Uh, the related question is, uh, Republicans are uh, openly talking about uh, what they're going to do when they take control of Congress after the midterm elections. Uh, should they is there, should they be so confident? Well, I think I've thought for a long time that whoever, whichever party this election is about, they're likely to lose. And to be frank, if the election is about President Biden and the Democratic majorities, uh, then Democrats are going to have a bad night. If it's about Republicans, if it's about Donald Trump, then then that's that that could have a better outcome. Or if it is about Republicans nominating uh, really flawed candidates in competitive races, that uh, you know, to me, to save the House requires either a divine intervention or b. Republican self-destructing. Well, I think B is a lot more likely than A, and that can come in the form of either A, of nominating exotic, you know, crazy candidates, as as Republicans did blowing two Senate races in 2010, and again, two more in 2012, you know, back during the Tea Party days. So it's that or, and or, uh, former President Trump basically creating a civil war within his party, trying to uh, um, uh, you know, purge the party of anybody that isn't completely loyal to him. So I think Democrats have to make this election about Republicans, and that's not easy to make a midterm election about a party that's no longer in power. But I don't know that they have any chance choice. Okay, uh, let's look at uh, let's uh, let's look at the uh, Senate side right now. There's obviously a dead even. Uh, split in the Senate between uh, Republicans and Democrats. Uh, what are the Senate races uh, in 2022 that we should be looking at? Well, that's that's what's got to be pretty scary for Democrats, because if you look at the six closest races, uh, states in the presidential race, all six of them have uh, highly competitive Senate races. And you, you know, you, you ran a clip of uh, Senator Warnock in Georgia. Um, you know, Biden won Georgia by uh, a quarter of a percentage point, fewer than 12,000 votes. 
Arizona, three-tenths of a point, fewer than 11,000 votes. Nevada, uh, a little less than two and a half. I mean, that's where Warnock, uh, Mark Kelly in Arizona, Catherine Cortez Masto in Nevada. Um, you know, you've got re- Republican open seats in Pennsylvania, North Carolina. Uh, I skipped over Wisconsin where Ron Johnson. Um, you've, um, you know, in a, in a bad midterm, three, four, five points can shift you know, from the previous presidential very, very easily. And this is a, uh, uh, this is a, a map that, that is very, very vulnerable for, for, for Democrats. I mean, it's, it's nine out of the 12 closest races in the president, in the presidential race, nine out of 12 of them have competitive Senate races. And, you know, the problem is if it's, you know, if, if Democrats have a net loss of, say, one seat, drop to 49 or two at 50 or, or two at 48, 47, if it's three, uh, in 2024, there are 23 Democratic seats up, only 10 Republican seats. Um, that's that's, you know, Democrats could find themselves in a really deep hole. Uh, coming, you know, going or a deep hole going into 2024, and an even deeper one coming out of it, um, and that that's that's why this is so so uh, ill ill timed uh, to have such a some something like this going on. But you know, Democrats ought to have a decent chance in you know Pennsylvania and North Carolina, and under the right circumstances, even Ohio, but. If there's an undertow for Democrats, they're not going to be picking up those Republican open seats, you know, and, and their chances of knocking off Ron Johnson, who ought to be incredibly vulnerable, uh, you know, go down as well. So um, there's never a good time to have a bad election, but this is a really bad time to have a bad election. OK, uh, let me uh, ask you uh, one last question. Um, every again. I started uh, regularly watching the network news shows at uh, 6.30 Eastern time um, at your urging. And yeah. uh, looking at it, uh, you know, I haven't, uh, you know, I don't drink, but I often think about drinking very hard when I'm watching <laughs> the network news. Uh, is the system up to the, you know, you hear stories about, you know, COVID, overwhelming hospitals, school shootings, natural disasters. Uh, is the system, is the political system cope, prepared to cope with these crises that Americans see on the network news every night? You know, frankly, I think part of the problem is the people that aren't seeing the network news in the evening. I mean, that I would have a hard time understanding some of the denial, for example, about the coronavirus and about, you know, mask wearing and something like that. For anybody that watches, you know, whether it's ABC, CBS or NBC, it's the people, though, that have walked away and have turned off sort of mainstream media. Uh, They're the people that are skeptical about all these things. I mean, they're. You know, and that's ironic that the people that are screaming so badly about wanting things to go back to normal, they're the people that are keeping it from getting back to normal. But it's the people that have basically tuned out, you know, sort of mass media, broad based media and have retreated into um, just getting getting news from their own comfort zone. 
which yep. in, in, in some cases, it, it, it's downplayed. Charlie, I'm going to have to interrupt problems. you again because we're at the end of the half hour. Thanks very much for joining us. Our guest in this half hour was Charlie Cook, the founder of the Cook Political Report. We'll be back right after. Welcome back to Deadline DC with Brad Manson. It is the second half hour, which usually means it's time for the provocative progressive political panel. Uh, This half hour is brought to you by my company, Bannon Communications Research, which polls for progressive issue groups, labor unions, and Democrats. Danger signs for Democrats are as clear as as your blue water off a Caribbean beach. Democrats who ignore the peril are simply whistling past the graveyard. More than half of the public disapproves of President Biden's performance, and most Americans feel the country is headed in the wrong direction. But poll-driven predictions of disaster are not guarantees of Democratic failure. The president and congressional Democrats still have time to turn things around. We're still in the first quarter of an election year, and there'll be lots and twists and turns before the buzzer sounds at the end of the fourth quarter, sort of like yesterday's NFL playoff games. To win the midterms, Democrats need to highlight President Biden's accomplishment, hold Republicans accountable for their contributions to the nation's problems, and erect a firewall between national GOP transgressions and direct democracy at the state level. You can read the rest of this column and all my columns for The Hill at uh, thehill.com front slash person front slash Brad Bannon. Now it's time for the provocative progressive political panel. Today's uh, guest panelist is Tara Devlin. Tara is a New York City based comedian and host of the unapologetically liberal podcast Tara Buster. You can follow follow Tara at Twitter at Real Tara Devlin. Joining Tara on the panel is progressive political activist Mark Grimaldi. Mark has worked for several Democratic presidential candidates, including Joe Biden. He's also active in campaign finance reform and efforts to promote cancer research. His Twitter handle is Mark J. Grimaldi. Uh, Welcome, panel. Let's start off with you, Tara. Um, what's wrong with American politics? I believe, honestly, it's, in my opinion, it is the root of all evil is money and politics. It yeah, all I comes agree. down to that. We wouldn't have a Kristen cinema. We wouldn't have a Joe Manchin problem if it weren't for the built-in bribes, the legal bribes that the Supreme Court built into our system. And nobody asked them to. Just like nobody asked John Roberts to mess with the Voting Rights Act. There wasn't a big uprising to to do away with the pre-clearance part of the Voting Rights Act. He just took it upon himself, like Republicans do, and they never have a mandate. I was listening to you, you talk to Charlie Cook, and yeah, I mean, I guess I understand he's more, I mean, maybe more mainstream or whatever, but from where I'm sitting, this is what my I think we really we really have a big problem if the Republicans are successful with their dirty tricks. And it's not just about getting out the vote, because even just, for example, in Arizona and Kristen Sinema, I know, is aware of this. 
they the laws that they're trying to pass are so restrictive that they are uh, they will be successful. I mean, one of the re- the the uh, laws is that you need a fingerprint and a passport Ridiculous. to register to vote. Ridiculous. A fingerprint and a passport. Or uh, or documentation on your citizenship. I mean, it's just so blatant. They're not even pretending anymore that they're not suppressing the vote. And it's just, it is driving me insane that, and the other, well, the other part of the destruction is the corporate media. And they're, they're invested in the, the coup or not. Either way, they're going to be just fine. They make a lot of money pretending the the establishment and everything is business as usual i was just watching morning joe and i was watching the news shows over the weekend too the way that they were framing the uh just saying that joe biden's uh, approval ratings are so low and this is disastrous and whatnot but his low is not is not even near um what trump's high was through his eight years of the presidency of the so-called presidency and then they were talking about how democrats are they're they're kind of breaking even in the polls for congressional seats this is what i heard on the on corporate media and um but the democrats have to overcome a five percent disadvantage due to um redistricting and whatnot and they just threw that in there like it's normal. This is the way it should be. The fact is, this is the tyranny of the minority, and they know it. The Republicans don't, they, 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 they see the writing on the wall. They are doing all they can. They're attacking the pillars of democracy everywhere you look, and including unity, for God's sakes. You know, you think about the fact, I, th- I mean, well, okay, I have so many thoughts, and they all want to come out of my mouth at the same time. But, <laughs> Amen, <laughs> like, sister. Yeah, it's true. It, it's from. just driving me nuts. Like, for example, the way they're framing Kristen Sinema's, uh, you know, fu to to voting rights as she's a she's she's a maverick. <sighs> this is her bull baloney um, f- frame. It's she's not a maverick. You know what would be a maverick? It would be that she would not be uh, so obsequious to her corporate donors because she certainly meets with them and everybody doesn't know. Nobody knows what the hell she wants, what she's doing from one day to the next. She's clearly somehow, she's not a maverick. She's, she's really, um, you know, self-seeking, self-serving and self-seeking. So that the end, they're not reporting that the cinema we're not talking about blowing up the filibuster this is what they're framing it as um it was this one rule change for voting rights this one time okay that's the that is the filibuster change that they're saying she that she was so beholden to the um uh the traditions of the senate okay. which uh, you know really the traditions are jim crow because it's uh, it's not getting any better, so that that's the thing with the corporate media. There, it really feels like they're in on the coup, in my opinion. So, Mark, uh, do you want to bring us out to the next break? Uh, uh, the Voting Rights Act and Build Back Better uh, both got killed in the last since the first of the year. What should Democrats do now? What should Joe Biden do now? I think that 
you know, what you were talking about in your piece, first of all, I completely agree with Tara. And if you, if you have a pulse, I mean, honestly, and care about this democracy in its entirety, it's not hyperbole. She's right. The, when the one sentence that I would key in on is Republicans, including Donald, you know, especially Donald Trump, but also his followers in Congress are attacking every pillar of democracy. We just learned through the January 6th committee uh, that there was an executive order drafted to start seizing voting machines through yeah. military power. So this is not hyperbole. This is not theory. There's hard evidence that this was happening. And, you know, of course, Republicans didn't even want this committee. So that's the type of threat that we're facing. So Democrats have this, you know, extraordinarily difficult job to a, make sure our democracy still exists after the next election and its consequences, but also B, sell those voters that Charlie Cook talked about in the last segment who don't even know what's going on. And if right. they did, then maybe they would have a better idea that the things they're complaining about, like inflation and gas prices, have very right. little to do with what President Biden has been doing or not doing. The bigger exactly. problem is what we're talking about is the voting rights of Americans, regardless of their political affiliation, being taken away and fighting for those voting rights and for the fact that also, so that's your protect democracy, protect the pillars of democracy. And on the other hand, as you talked about, Brad, make progress for those who are paying attention or not through the Build Back Better bill. So they have to mm -hmm. somehow achieve talking to both of those audiences while fighting the wave of being channeled into this, you know, extremely corporate media that is very conservative yep. and very pro-corporation. I can't tell you how to do that in 30 seconds till break, but right. I have a couple <laughs> ideas if you want me to when we come back. Okay, well, maybe we can talk about that after the break. Sounds yeah. good. We'll be back with more of Deadline DC with Brad Bannon and our provocative progressive political panel uh, with Tara Devlin and Mark Grimaldi right after this brief stop. We're back with more of Deadline DC with Brad Bannon. Our guests in, on panel today are Tara Devlin, the host of Terror Buster, and progressive activist Mark Grimaldi. Uh, Tara, what advice would you give to Joe Biden? I mean, most Democrats, I, yeah, a lot of, well, let me say a lot of Democrats are basically telling him that he was right. way too ambitious given the fact uh, that he had a 50 50 okay. split in the Senate and a bare majority right. in the House. Uh, what would you say to that? Well, the fact that he has that slim majority is because the American people are not they don't trust the Democrats to do to bring bring the uh, the bring it home. Really, that's what that is what I think. And it's too much trying to be everything for everybody. You can't be the the uh, the darling of Wall Street and the darling of the American people at this point. Wall Street is doing great. It's time for the American people to join in on the party. And that's what is that's the foundations of democracy. And in my opinion, the American people want somebody who will fight unapologetically. And you see what look at Trump. He never apologized. And he was always on the wrong side of everything and a horrible, horrible person. So they want people have the courage of their convictions. And to me, this is that's what I see. Uh, that's what's making me very concerned is that 
I knew that they would they would want they would they would spin it as um, you were going too far left. That's baloney, because the Build Back Better plan, as you know, has over a 70 percent approval rating with the American people. They now once again, just like with Obamacare, they don't like the name Build Back Better. They don't like it. Like Obamacare, they loved, they hated uh, Obamacare, but they loved the provisions, you know. And it's the same thing. The American people, they they want to pay thirty-five dollars for insulin. They want to have health care. They want to have child care. This is not outrageous. How about some days off, for God's sake? The entire world is looking at us with uh, with rolling eyes. What's wrong with the American people? We are, I guess, I, I don't know what it is. Maybe we have been, I, well, you know what I, it is. I know what it is. It's the media. Because this, the media keeps hammering these messages that Joe Biden is too far left. Now, the people going to work, going to their three uniquely American low-paying jobs with no retirement or benefits, they're not paying attention. They're, they're seeing the headlines. They're seeing Biden's got a low approval rating. People hate his plan and all of this. And that where we know the nuances, we're reading it. They, now they're saying, oh, Kristen Sinema is a maverick for standing up for Senate tradition. Baloney. Baloney. No, was anybody calling for her to save the filibuster ex- for this one bill besides Ms. Mitch McConnell and the rest of the Republicans, you know? So we uh, if we wanted to, um, I mean, we needed to have uh, voting rights restored. And the other thing is, we ha- this wouldn't even be happening if not for the Supreme Court. It's like all connected. And I really wish that Joe Biden, too, would connect the dots. I hope he does and start channeling FDR. I so, hope you know, he does <laughs> connect the dots, too. Uh, Mark, what advice would you have for President Biden? I mean, we're pretty much in campaign mode here because not much is, if anything's going to come out of Congress for the rest of the year. Uh, we just learned that uh, in the last couple of weeks. Uh, what advice would you give to the president? Well, I would still try to pass what provisions you can from Build Back Better because the, it's a massive uh, investment in America and would help in a lot of areas. So even if you're able to, for instance, pass the climate change portions, it would be the biggest investment in climate change in our history or, you know, healthcare provisions or, you know, any of those things that are involved in the bill would be helpful to the American people. And it would look good and help people say, okay, we're seeing progress here. So I wouldn't abandon those. I would continue to, to work on that, especially when, you know, you did have, it was close, uh, you know, with Manchin's counterproposal, it seemed anyway, to Biden, uh, you know, right before things seemed to fall apart. And there was some provisions that were popular with both sides of, you know, uh, both camps, I, I would say. So I would not abandon that. Second of all, I would put Whenever you can get those things passed, start with those and then do what Bernie Sanders said and put the other portions up for a vote and have Joe Manchin and Kirsten Cinema and all the Republicans, by the way, go on record as voting against things like cheaper right. insulin and voting against yeah. things like. I suspect you're going to see that. I think you're going to see Chuck Schumer. Right 
put a lot of the individual elements up for a vote. Uh, insulin packages, uh, prices, uh, child care, uh, you know, with the full knowledge, they'll probably get defeated in the Senate. But uh, I think uh, I think uh, right. Schumer plans to do that is uh, force everybody to vote on these things. So everybody right. know everybody knows where everybody in the Senate stands. Yeah. And I would focus uh, on the health care portions of it for this particular reason, Brad, is in 2018 when Democrats did extremely well in the midterms, I know they were the you know opposite party from what was in the White House, what was the issue they ran on? It wasn't, you know, number one, that they were fighting to stop Trump. It was health care, and mm-hmm. it was the Republican threat to the Affordable Care Act, and they were hugely successful. If you looked at uh, exit polls after they clean, they you know, had an absolutely terrific midterm showing it was people putting health care number one, which, by mm-hmm. the way, if you have these Republicans, the same ones, except probably further to the right, a, a lot of ways, who would be glad yeah, to that's dismantle. Very, yes. That's very true, Mark. Right. I took a close look at those exit polls from the 2018 election. And the biggest single issue which drove the Democratic success in the 2018 midterms was concern about health care. That was the number one issue right. for voters. And the voters who said health care uh, was their big issue voted for Democratic congressional candidates by a three to one mm-hmm. margin. So now you go uh, out there and you say these candidates were not not only want to vote against what we're trying to do, which is to make insulin more affordable. Oh, and by the way, include coverage for dental, eye and hearing right. care and Medicare, right. which is hugely popular. Exactly. Other very popular exactly. items. And everything in the bill. Better program. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I just want to give the Democrats some uh, messaging because we're always saying how they Absolutely. stink. Absolutely. Uh, this uh, when they asked Joe Biden about going too far left, he needs to respond with, we're not going too far left. We are building the infrastructure of democracy. And there you go. Because it's a patriotic imperative that we balance the scales and give the American people a shot at this, at the American dream that the billionaires seem to have well in hand. You know, they can go up in space and look at the big blue marble and tell us how wonderful it is. But... You know, we're we're trying to have a day off to go to a damn doctor without worrying if we uh, have to declare the uniquely American medical bankruptcy. You know, uh, I there is so much we have to do. But um, first, it really does start with the messaging. And it is very frustrating that um, the, the Democrats have to embrace it without apology. I really believe that. My question, Brad, just real quick, because my question, the counterpoint to is what you think you overpromised. So now you're going to make these super moderate, you know, promises in an election year. No, if anything, you say I'm not apologizing for going as big as I can to help the American people. I would rather swing for the fence, you know, with what I'm going for and give it my all than try to have when these massive problems are facing us. Then try to have these incremental, you know, bunts, whatever sports right. analogy you want to use. And I think right. that's the way you handle it. While maybe, you know, now that you know what you can and can't get past, then you talk about those in, in accurate ways. But I think that's the way you turn that on its head because it, I'm sorry, but when you do have that small of a, a majority, are you really going to keep it and expand upon it by, you know, incrementalism? 
I, right. I think that's yeah. a tough sell, too. Exactly. That's why people they're saying the Democrats are disaffected or the base or whatever. That's why, just like you said, Mark, people, they, they, they don't feel that the Democrats are truly in their corner. And then you hear Nancy Pelosi saying, oh, that uh, she's all good with um, Senator and House members trading on stock. Well, nobody wants to hear that. Wow. You know, and uh, the last thing I'll say is you look at their 41 percent approval rating. Well, 50 percent of them Republicans or 48 percent were never going to approve for Biden in this polarized right. America. So exactly. the reason you probably have the nine or 10 percent of Democrats or whatever the percentages that are not happy with Joe Biden is because we haven't passed the bills that they care about. Yeah. And that will be the last thing, Mark, because we're running out of time. Thanks to our guest, Charlie Cook, founder of the Cook Political Report, Tara Devlin, the host of Terror Buster, and progressive activist Mark Grimaldi. Be safe and be strong in these troubled and turbulent times. Uh, Leslie's back tomorrow, and make sure you watch Deadline DC live Mondays at 3 p.m. Eastern Time or the podcast anytime. Thank you, Brad. Thank you, Tara. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. We had a lively discussion. Thank you. That was like therapy. It really is. Me too. It's so frustrating. It really is.